When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. You're listening to the award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, featuring business leaders to help you navigate a constantly changing marketplace. Want to become known as a trusted authority while building a thriving business you love? The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will show you how. Here's your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, which is brought to you by TheInfluenceAlliance.com, which is the coaching program for coaches and consultants who want to build a profitable and scalable business while also launch and grow a podcast so that they can make a much bigger impact in the world with their message. My name is Anne-Marie Cross and I'm your host. So it takes a dream to raise it takes a team to raise a dream, it takes a very empowering visionary dream as well. And that is what my guest on today's show says. And joining me on today's show is Charmaine Hammond. She is a best-selling author, a professional speaker, an executive producer of the award-winning movie, Back home again. And through her company, Raise a Dream, she helps authors and speakers and entrepreneurs to raise their dreams and fund their projects through collaboration and sponsorships. Now, Charmaine has been in the business of changing lives and raising dreams for more than 25 years. And she travels the world teaching the principles of collaboration, of partnership, and sponsorships. We have the pleasure of having her on today's show where she is going to share what collaboration and sponsorship is and what it is not. Very important to know that and how it can help you to amplify your message. She's going to share three mistakes that we want to avoid to ensure that we have a successful collaboration and sponsorship, as well as examples of where collaboration and sponsorships will actually help you to expand your message and make a much bigger difference in the world. So welcome to the show, Charmaine. Thank you. I am so excited about the conversation today. Uh, absolutely. And we're just going to dive straight into it because, right. as we said in the introduction, you have been doing this for over 25 years now, helping yeah. others to raise their dream. There's a lot of learnings and insights. I know we're only going to scratch the surface today, but let's get into it. So when you talk about collaboration and sponsorship, how would you define what that is? Let's talk about that first. The way I love to look at the word collaboration is people or groups coming together to make an impact, make a difference, launch a project or bring something to life in a way that any one of them couldn't do the same way on their own. And that's where collaboration is so rich is that you can create these outcomes that you could never achieve on your own. And if you did, it would probably cost a lot of money a lot of frustration, a lot of time. So that's collaboration, really bringing about those results together with others. 
And sponsorship is often the result of a great collaboration. When we think of the term sponsorship, the best way I can describe it is to, to think about a marketing relationship with you as the entrepreneur and a brand. It could be a local business in your neighborhood. It could be a big regional or national brand. And it's a marketing relationship because they're contributing some of their marketing funds to meet some of their objectives through your project, whatever it is you as the sponsor seeker are inviting them to partake in. Yes. And I know that there's a lot of discussion around what collaboration is, what sponsorship is. And I've loved that you've defined what that really is if it's done successfully. Now, so often as entrepreneurs, we can have a misunderstanding about what a sponsorship collaboration is. So what are some of the things that we may have misunderstood that you say, actually, this is not what it is if you want to get the best win-win-win relationship out of it? What do we need to be mindful of? Yes, and I love that you described it as a win-win-win because really you're benefiting, the sponsor is benefiting, and the end user, the audience is benefiting. One of the mistakes I love to talk about, and, and we've all done this mistake, me included, is we're so passionate about our idea, our project that we want to bring to life, that as soon as we get on that phone call with that potential sponsor, that prospect, we just start diving in with everything about our project, how excited we are, and we've taken no time to get to know the brand. And when you can build the relationship by being genuinely curious about them, understanding who they are as a company, what matters to them, who their audience is, what is it they're trying to market, when you can dive deep into understanding their brand, not only does that make you stand out against everyone else seeking sponsorship that day, that week, that month, but the other thing it does is it helps you identify where there are synergies that you could um, work on with this particular company that may not have been obvious to you before. So number one is don't go in with an ask without a relationship. That's critical. And, yeah. uh, and I think we've all done that, right, Emery? We've all. We, we sure have. I know that you want to share a few more about some of the things that you see. How are we faring? I mean, I know you're doing this day in and day out. You're speaking to entrepreneurs who are looking for uh, collaboration, sponsorship opportunities. Are they, are, how are we doing? Are we positioning it really from a win-win understanding from the other person's point of view? How can we help you? What are some of the gaps? What are some of the things mm -hmm. that you are really looking for? Are we getting it or is there a little way to go? You know, I, I, I see when, when entrepreneurs understand that importance of building the relationship. So ha having that passion for your project and then building the relationship at the same time those are the entrepreneurs that seem to move through this not only more confidently, but more successfully. The ones that are so focused on the outcome, I just want to get the yes from them. That's where they tend to struggle because they're so focused on the outcome, they're not hearing all the important information that that brand is sharing with you that could help them identify other ways to work together. But what I see right now is sponsorship opportunities are out there companies have to market. And sponsorship is one way that companies determine how to spend that budget. They could spend it on uh, going to trade shows now that we can do that. They could spend it on media or print advertising or digital ads or sponsorship marketing. Yeah, I love that. What would be another mistake you'd really want to bring to our mm. attention? 
The other mistake has to do with timeframes. And as entrepreneurs, many of us have become very, very skilled at launching things quickly <laughs> and moving very fast. And the corporate world doesn't necessarily move at that same speed. In fact, the bigger the company that you're approaching, the longer lead time they will need to uh, do all their due diligence, build the relationship with the sponsor seeker, bring in all the other people. For example, with one sponsor we were building a relationship with, it started out to be conversations with me and the marketing director. And then the marketing director brought in three of the communications team from the regional office. Then they brought in two of the uh, marketing and communications team from the national office. So the, the group around the table started expanding, which is really good news usually. Uh, but what happens is you're into a process that takes time and it, it it's frustrating for the brands for the sponsors when they fall in love or really connect with an opportunity with a sponsor seeker an entrepreneur and the entrepreneur just didn't give them enough time for example events it happens all the time where a, a entrepreneur event host gets busy planning their event and they're doing all the logistics that about two months before they think oh we need to get some sponsors and they start almost dialing for dollars because time is of the essence and most sponsors can't pull an agreement together and all of the things they have to do internally you know in a better in a four week or five week period so you've got to leave sponsors time which requires us as entrepreneurs to be really thinking forward and thinking backwards. So looking at your end project and then what are all the steps uh, moving back to now to allow yeah. the right time. Such a great point around that time frame. I, I would imagine then that time frame is going to differ from organization to organization, industry to yeah. industry. Is it rude to ask at the onset, look, we want to make sure that, you know, we this is sounds like a win-win opportunity for all win-win-win-win. What a time frame. Let's look at that. Let's establish that so that we can support one another. That would be something to consider so that you mm -hmm. can kind of map that out on yes. the agenda and things that you need to work around. Yes? Yes. Those are great questions to ask. And sometimes what happens is a sponsor might say something like, um, we really love the project you've presented to us and we just, our money is allocated for this year. We work a year to two years out. So we don't have the funds. However, we love the project and we'd like to help you amplify your message in other ways. Here's the ways that we could come to the table and still be a part of it. And I've had that happen a number of times where a sponsor, our timing and the sponsor's timing just didn't jive. And the, the money was spoken for actually for the next year. And what they did, though, is they brought a lot of, a lot of other in-kind sponsorship to the table. They lent uh, basically their PR team to help us write the press release and contact media. They accessed printing for us. So they did the printing in-house. And this was not a printing company. This was a, a big company, but they have a, a great in-house printer. Uh, they also gave us staff. They freed up, I think it was 12 staff, to man the registration table to help get people uh, organized in the event to be our volunteers. And I can't tell you the value of that because getting volunteers for this was a three day event. It's really hard to fill all those three hour blocks and the stress that they took off this event and, and us as organizers was phenomenal because we didn't need volunteers anymore. We welcomed them 
but the staffing sort of volunteer issues were handled. And you'll often see that if the timing isn't off, but you've built the relationship and they like what you're presenting to them, they'll often find other ways to engage and then say, we want to work with you next year. Let's allow more time. What I really am hearing you really repeat over and over again. So it, it's so important. We often talk about collaboration and relationship building. However, I still think that when we want to go in there really quickly and not take the time uh, to really nurture those relationships, the relationships that we can nurture and continue to build and grow with sponsors and partnerships, collaborations and so forth, I think can continue to deliver over and over and over again when we take the time to put the foundations in place, take the time to have these conversations. And I know you're going to talk about some examples because I'm sure people are assuming, oh, I know what sponsorship is all, all about. You already mentioned one, in kind. So, yeah. it, well, what can we share a little bit more about that? But I know that you've got yeah. one other mistake because we one said- One other mistake. What's this the other? Is, this is a juicy one. And that when I talk to sponsors and I ask them the question, what is the one thing you want entrepreneurs, nonprofit sponsor seekers to know is they will say in their own way, but it all comes down to this one mistake. Don't give us generic proposals, customize a proposal. Sponsors want to know that what you're creating with them is addressing their objectives that is custom and tailored to them. What entrepreneurs like to do is often feel a sense of completion at the end of the day or the end of the week. And I'll often see entrepreneurs create a beautiful proposal document, usually has gold, silver and bronze levels in it. And they fire it off to 100 people over the weekend that they've never met. They don't put their name in it. And likely 100 of those just go straight to the delete box. In fact, one large sponsor, I was at a conference years ago, and it was a large sponsor, an international sponsor in the technology sector. He and he very boldly said, if your proposal was not asked for, I scrap it. It doesn't get read. It doesn't get in the inbox. It's gone because you, you're asking me to spend time reviewing your proposal and project when you've not taken time to get to know me. When yes. you've not even taken time to get to know my name, dear sir, madam. And so when you, uh, you know, we don't submit proposals unless the sponsor asks. And I've had a number of sponsorship arrangements where there never was a proposal. We co-create it together. That is where the magic really happens is the co-creation. Yeah, I know um, you're going to talk in a moment some more examples and that I love examples because then we can kind of see yeah. how this has been done before to achieve win-win-win opportunities. But when you're thinking then from, from someone who's watching today or listening and or even the recording who's never really thought about the opportunities that are there for collaborations and sponsorships, they start to do some research online. What would be a kind of like a bit of a framework on what a really good process would you first start looking online, find out who is responsible, make contact with them, do a little bit of research to see, I know, are they on LinkedIn? Can you build a relationship? that way. What, what are some of the things that have worked before? Yes. And what you've described, Anne-Marie, are absolutely part of our Raise a Dream seven-step model. Those fit into that model. Where we want to start is way back at the beginning, who is our audience? We want to clearly be able to describe who our audience is to brands and businesses, because one of the reasons 
that they would say yes is that your project, your event, whatever you're presenting has some kind of relevance to them. And that relevance is usually around a shared audience or an audience that the sponsor may not currently have, but they want to get in front of. So really know your audience and be able to describe your audience deeper than we often do. We often say something like my audience as women between the ages of 35 and 50. Well, a sponsor will want to know a lot more of that. Where do they live in the world? Do they have children? Are they self-employed? Do they have a job? As much information as you can give about the audience, that will help the sponsor determine, is there a point in continuing the conversation? Or maybe it's just not a good fit. And then the other part, so we start there. And then the seven-step model that we work on, I'll just talk about a couple of the beginning steps. Then what we have to do is really identify who are the brands or businesses and always start local and close to home. If I was to say a fourth mistake, the fourth mistake would be people start going to the national office of the phone company or the bank or the insurance company or the airline. And what we need to realize is the Olympics are going there too. And so honestly, so what you want to do is start local and close to home and they'll often connect you with the regional or the global or national. Yeah. With that model, I just want to add, Emery, when you were talking about how do we reach out, once we've identified those dream sponsors, then we've got to research them. We have to go to that first discovery call, knowing a lot about them so that we can ask good questions to dive even deeper. Yeah. You talked about the discovery call then. Do I assume then that, um, and, and is there a term for or a job title for the people who are responsible for the sponsorships, kind of the the pocket, if you will, the, the sure. bank of the organization. Do they have, is, is it like sponsorship executive or what would they be called? There's a variety of different titles. And you mentioned LinkedIn earlier, Emery. LinkedIn is my, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. It's the most powerful tool for me as a person, an entrepreneur, a business owner, building relationship with brands and sponsors. And so in LinkedIn, in the search bar, I punch in the company's name that I've been researching that I really want to connect with. And then I, I apply a variety of different titles. Not every company calls their sponsorship program sponsorship. Some of them might call it corporate social responsibility. Or uh, today I just had a call with a public relations manager and under their portfolio is sponsorship. Uh, yesterday I had a call with community affairs and their, their portfolio includes sponsorship. As well, a few other titles would be brand development manager, uh, uh, community investment is another one that we hear a lot. And if you can't find the right person, communications or marketing. And marketing, because that's where sponsorship event, it somehow lives in marketing, depending what the what the uh, titles are, marketing will get involved, even if it doesn't fall within that department, if sponsorship has their own department, they bring in the marketing team. Yeah. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Because, uh, as you said, the sponsorship will, that they're, they're part of the investment of the, in the relationship will allow exposure to obviously um, a large community or a community of, of uh, their ideal clients that they're looking for getting in front of as well. Makes sense. That's valuable because often, you know, we can be, um, 
not even knowing where to start, where to start, but it's opening the opportunities that, hey, there are people there that are connecting who may not ever know that you are there who would love to have a conversation. So that leads me to my next question before we go to examples. If you then identified someone, would you reach out and ask for a meeting then? Is that the best approach to be able to share and find out a little bit more about what their expectations and what they're looking for? Right. Great question. What I do and the strategy that is working for me and has been for years is I first get connected with them on LinkedIn. And in that connection request, I don't use the word sponsorship. I don't talk about my program or my project that I want to speak with them about. I simply use that research that I did on them in the introduction or in the connection request. If I have shared connections, let's say underneath that person's name, it says, you know, 14 mutual connections. I'll say something like, hi, Emery. I noticed that we have 14 mutual connections and a strong passion for da 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 or we lived in the same community, or I see we went to the same college or university. And if you don't have any connection like that, that's okay. What you can do is then say, I saw something in the newspaper a couple of weeks ago about a project that you did in our community really appreciate how you support communities would welcome staying connected here on LinkedIn. And I go in a, and connect with several people because not everyone, as you know, that you send a connection request for accepts it or accepts it immediately. That's the first step. It's all about just building the relationship coming from a place of curiosity. Then when they accept the connection request, this is where a lot of people blow it. So they get the connection request and then they dive in, they start the pitch. <laughs> I've got this great project I'm working on. I, and I don't do that. Once they accept the connection request, I simply message them and say, hi, Emery, thanks so much for accepting my connection request. Look forward to following your posts and, and uh, staying in touch, Charmaine. And then I wait for about two weeks and then I reconnect back with them through LinkedIn. I don't email them. I don't phone them. I use LinkedIn and, and because it's kind of like a safe platform for people. They're not feeling spammed. They can choose to ignore it or follow up on it without a feeling of guilt. Nice. And then I just say, I'm, I'm working on a couple of projects right now, and I've really been diving deep into learning about your brand. I'd love to set, set up a discovery call to learn more about your company and the initiatives and objectives that you're working on over the next year. Um, how does next Tuesday or Thursday sound for you for a quick call? And I always use the word quick or a 20 minute call, just something so they know that this is a short call. They're not going to be on there for a long time. And um, when you've done your research, they appreciate that it, it gets noticed. Yes, that's a, such a nice way of the approach of the relationship building uh, because I and I think we often forget the brilliant golden nuggets that you can achieve through going into that call and asking all of those questions. Yes. What are you looking for uh, in the next year? What what would, because it enables you to then know all of the boxes that they're looking to tick and you can ask further questions. What would be the, what is there a process that you like to follow? If we're interested and we see that there could be a win-win, who would be the person to connect with? Would it be you? You know, that kind of thing yes. to find out so that you are best prepared when you do send something and uh, can fit kind of this the process that they appreciate as well yes yeah absolutely and I just want to 
put an exclamation mark and yellow highlighter around what you were just saying. The questions you just asked in your conversation, Anne-Marie, those are the questions we want to ask. Who, what, where, when, why, and how? Not close-ended questions where the individual is going to answer yes or no. You want to keep the flow going. And Anne-Marie did a great job of modeling those open-ended questions. Yeah. And Remember that these are people, a lot of entrepreneurs put so much pressure on themselves to show up perfect and, you know, not make a mistake. And, and just think of this as a conversation. In fact, one of the a big sponsor that I was quite um, not nervous about, but I was, uh, I was feeling uh, I really wanted this relationship to go well and putting pressure on myself. And I think I felt a little bit out of my comfort zone because it was an industry I had never dealt with before. So my learning curve was big. And what was really interesting is just after I asked a series of questions to the sponsor, she noticed and she said, wow, have you ever done your homework, Charmaine? Thank you for that. Most calls I get on, people just dive in and start selling me something. Thank you for caring. And, I, and it just brought the conversation down. And she said, you know, one of the things that when people get on calls with us, they're often nervous or they just really want this to go well. And she said, at the end of the day, we're just people. This is just our job. And when and, and that was so powerful for me to remember. I've remembered those words ever since, uh, because if you think about it, this is just a conversation. And those were her words. This is just a conversation. Yes. Then, then you feel it, it changes the, the energy and the flow. And um, that's so essential is asking those questions. What I notice is that generally when you are doing that fantastic job of asking those open-ended questions at some point, and it's usually about the 15 minute part in the call, um, the sponsor, the person that you're talking to, the prospect will probably say something like, so Anne-Marie, I'm really curious why you reached out to us. You obviously saw some synergy or maybe you're working on a project that you think we could be involved in. I'd love to hear about it. And that is the best transition when they invite the transition instead of us having to create it. And when you've shown that reciprocal uh, relationship building, the conversation just naturally will go there. Mm. And then the goal of call number one is to determine um, you know, if call number two could happen, that's always my goal because no sponsorship arrangement is ever going to be negotiated and solved in a 20 minute phone call, unless it's a friend or somebody that you're already working with and you know, very well. Yeah. What is the segue then to even, um, see whether a, a call two is possible? Are there some triggers or things that you want to listen out for from the person to whom you're speaking with from that organization? Yeah. Or is it more so that they would say, look, I'd love to schedule another call because I think there may be something into in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great question. Sometimes it's very obvious to you as the sponsor seeker that there could be some synergy. And sometimes that obvious uh, <laughs> synergy is not so clear to the sponsor and we have to help them. I, I always describe sponsorship like a puzzle and you've got this puzzle. The tendency is that sponsor seekers will go there when there's three pieces left in that puzzle. And then the sponsor is sitting there thinking, well, I don't have the right color for that piece or I, my piece is not shaped the same way. There's no way for me to fit. 
And what we have to do is go there when the puzzle isn't completely put together so that they can they can be engaged and co-create. If the conversation is coming to that closure point and uh, and there doesn't seem to be any kind of a call to action or next step, I simply say something like this. This has been such a helpful conversation for me, Anne-Marie. I've learned so much about your company. You've answered a lot of questions. And I'm finding that I have lots more and I would love the opportunity for us to set a follow-up call maybe in a week or two to continue the dialogue and perhaps think of, of you know, what those potential synergies could look like. And uh, I'd love to set up the call. And are there people on your team that you think we need to invite to the call? I always make that open because if there is synergy and this is something that could move forward, if it's a bigger company, likely they are going to bring in their marketing person or their communications uh, individual. They might have to bring in the decision maker. Yes. They might have to bring in their employer. And and I really like it when they can bring that person or people to the meeting instead of me relying on them to translate what we talked about when they've also had 15 other phone calls that day with other people. And yeah. this allows you to have a little bit of influence over the narrative. Yes. Would it be helpful for you at that stage to say the, the meeting is booked and there are other people who are going to be coming to that call? Is it beneficial to maybe send a summary of those things, your, you know, your community, who you are? So through the lens of what information you've been fed, you know, feedback, I should say, from the potential sponsor company so that those people who are coming to the meeting that haven't had an opportunity to speak with you yet can be informed, can get up to date so you don't have to go through that whole spiel again. Absolutely. And and I love doing that. And I, and I even take it one step further. I'll say something like, Anne-Marie, because you're bringing in a couple of your colleagues, I can put together a short document that just summarizes what we talked about and, you know, a little bit about my company and, and, uh, and our goals and values and things like that. And I'm wondering, what do you think would be helpful for me to share with you so that you feel your colleagues are brought up to speed of what we cover today. And they'll often say things like, don't put anything in there about money. Or the part that you talked about, I loved it, but they won't go for it. So don't talk about that part, just talk about this and this. And they'll often help you actually write it. And that's what I want. I want to be able to send something that accurately summarizes the conversation, but is relevant. There's no point in me sending a whole bunch of information that's not relevant. And I even will go as far to say, um, how long should this be? And they'll often say, uh, you know, half a page or a page, which really then challenges me to stick to that. Because what happens if they said just, just one page, Charmaine, and I send over a 12 page document, everything that we do from the first point of contact is showing them what we're like to work with. Yes. And so if her first ex or his first experience says, I asked for one page, I got 12. They're starting to think, hmm, you know, does this mean like the next document I get is 20 pages long? You really want to show at every step of the way what you're like to work with. So yeah. I would send over one page. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, I mean, I could just continue to pick your brain. For me, it's, it's <laughs> just, and I know that this is the sort of support that you give clients. So, mm -hmm. but 
seeing that I think that that it, there is a framework and as we're, I'm hearing you say this and I'm sure others would agree it makes so much sense I mean if you go into that conversation and any relationship I think always thinking of how could I add value to and achieve the expectations yeah. and the needs and the objectives of the other person and if there is no synergy there there's no point pushing it but if you exactly. do see that there is opportunity and as you said you know sometimes that sponsoring company has had so many conversations over the years and and maybe over the last you know time that they've spoken to you now that they may just need some suggestions or you might even be a little bit cheeky or maybe this is a good question yeah. What would need to have be in place for this to be an absolute yes, let's do this for you? Get them to ask, answer that rather yes. than trying to guess. Yes, yes, because so often entrepreneurs create unnecessary stress by feeling like they have to have all the answers and have the way this could look. I love defaulting to the to the prospect or the sponsor. I might say something like, even though it's so clear in my mind what this could look like, I'll often say something like, how do you see this shaping out? Or what would this look like from, from your perspective? And often what comes out of their mouth is something far bigger <laughs> and far more exciting than I had already created. And and really, I, I you know, I always have to... Uh, <laughs> get myself together because I'm thinking to myself, wow, I came in here thinking this would be awesome. And they've just presented something that I hadn't even thought of because they know their brand. They know what they can do. And, and no matter how much we research them, we don't necessarily know the inner workings of yeah. the company and yeah. what they could we bring to the table. Limited. We don't know what other things are going on, which could perfectly fit. Okay. So Let's talk about some examples. I know that you mentioned there was some in-kind that the budget had already been positioned mm -hmm. and allocated, yet they suggested, let's do some in-kind. And that would have been priceless for you, getting the yes. support of a PR oh. team. What are some other examples that you can share? So for many, many years in my business, I've been building in sponsorship, not just for projects and events, but actually how I run my business. And my first sponsors were clothing sponsors, hairstyle and makeup sponsors. For many years, I didn't pay for clothing, accessories, uh, all my hairstyles. And when I was going on media, I would go get my makeup done before I would go on media. I had a printing sponsor, my all my marketing materials, like the standing retractable banners and postcards and business cards and workshop packages for my speaking engagements. Uh, those were sponsored. I did a million acts of kindness tour. My gosh, I think it's seven years ago now. It feels like it was yesterday, but seven years ago, right across North America, we had a motor home sponsored, all of our telecommunications. We had hotel rooms sponsored across the, uh, for our staff. We had gas for the motorhome and restaurants that fed us along the way. And those are examples of in-kind sponsorship. And then cash, you know, certainly cash sponsorship. And with this movie project that we're working on, the million, or sorry, the, the Back Home Again movie, it's an animated movie. And um, we've, we've pulled in a number of sponsors who have helped us not only get the production done, but also sponsors who are helping with the marketing and the costs of PR and, and bringing this project to life through events. 
Yeah. And in those instances with the in-kind that you have um, shared with us, the way that they were able to win from that relationship was getting exposure that you were generating along the way, exposure to your community. Those kind of things were the things that you then exchanged with them. Yes? Yes. And the key is to ask them. Never just assume that they only need exposure. I'll give you an example. This was one of the biggest learning experiences that I ever made in the whole work I did with sponsorship. I had made an assumption somehow in my mind that when we wrap this 32-foot motorhome that's going to travel across North America for seven weeks, I made an assumption that sponsors would love to have their logo on there and that they would see that as really high value. Mm -hmm. And all of our bigger sponsors, they said, well, that's great. But, you know, one of them was very clear. And he said, uh, it has zero value to us, Charmaine, like zero. And I thought, wow, tell me more about that. And he said, well, our, our logo doesn't say what we do. The logo image does not tell you what we do. And if we put our website on your motorhome, seriously, if you're driving along, how often as you're driving your car, do you see a website on the side of a vehicle and say, I must call them? Yeah. <laughs> it's not how we sell our products. And that was so powerful for me to learn that we, or be reminded of. I knew this and I, and I just forgot. I made an assumption. And you want to always ask the sponsor, what is it that they're needing to see out of this? Some of them will say, we don't need exposure. If you think about big companies, um, that we all know their logos, they don't need exposure or brand recognition. They might want to be seen as a goodwill ambassador in their community, or maybe they're trying to get in front of a new audience that they've not um, been in front of before, or maybe they are trying to launch a new product and your project is allowing them that opportunity to get that new product out there. Always ask what it is that they're looking for. Some sponsors, we've had sponsors recently on a project where they were wanting to recognize their clients and their loyal customers. And the project we were working on was a way that they could do that. Wow. So always ask the questions. If we just assume, like gone are the days, years and years ago, putting people's logo on things was a big deal. It's not now because with digital, you know, it's not like there's a lot of cost to that. And it's it there's a lot of noise out there in the digital space and sponsors will tell you now that that probably has less value one of our sponsors actually didn't want any public recognition oh wow with logos or things like that what they were interested in is when i spoke presented or was on media in a specific community because that was the only place that they did business if there was a way for me to weave the, a story about them into my presentation. And I was able to very easily do that because they have a beautiful set of values that are really uniquely written. And I was able to weave them in as a case study in my presentation and a couple of times even talked about them on media when we were doing our Million Acts of Kindness Tour. The value they got from that with me talking about them in a three minute um, you know, CTV interview, that had huge values for them. Yes, I, I agree with all of the noise and the bombardment of images and that I, I think we, the attention 
the attention economy, whatever you want to call it, has changed, hasn't it? The value yeah. because people have almost ignored. I think there's a term now for it, isn't it? Like we're blind to certain things. We immediately mm-hmm. switch off. However, as you said, through storytelling, through uh, building a deeper engagement, it enabled people then to listen and then to, oh, okay, and it's a much dif- different way now of how to get engagement in, um, and, and attention that way. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. And again, we may not know what is possible, what they would value the most unless we ask. Mm-hmm. And if it's a good fit, it may be something that you think, oh, my goodness, I can do that. Yes. You know, and uh, as you said, a win-win-win for all involved. Yeah. Charmaine, how can people get in contact with you? Because I know that this is what you support them in. We've only just scratched the surface and this is only information, wonderful information. I'm sure everyone would agree. However, to get it into action, they may need additional support and mentoring and so forth. How can they connect with you? The best way to connect with me is through the website, raiseadream.com. And we are that on socials as well. Raise a dream on Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn. And of course, on LinkedIn, people can come and find me under my own name, Charmaine Hammond. Yeah. And of course, we're streaming live across various different platforms. So we will make sure to tag Charmaine. You can just follow those tags and find her on those platforms as well. Well, thank you so much for coming and so openly sharing all that you've known and, and developed over the years and how we can really start to look at collaboration and sponsorships as win, win, win opportunities to, as you said, achieve something that individually each organization would not have achieved it would not be possible were it not for that collaboration so thank you for coming on the show thank you so much thank you this podcast is brought to you by the influence alliance.com want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com forward. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.